specifically on keyboard. I mean, Bernie was obviously a mentor to you and so much um, impacted, I'm sure, you know, who you are as a musician. And can you talk to that a little bit? What made him so special, one of a kind, and uh, what did you learn from Bernie? I mean, he he changed the game for 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 keyboards in general. I mean, he just his style was a style that nobody else was doing, and his feel was the P funk feel in a lot of ways. And that pocket, the way he moved, the way he made those keyboards play and talk and sing. Uh, nothing like that was done before in popular music, in my opinion. And as a classical musician, he injected something more than what, you know, than it would have been. He just, he had a very important part to play in the arrangements and the sound of the P-Funk as we know it and popular music as we know it. Uh, let's not forget the impact via sampling and, and the impact just on bands, you know, a lot of keyboard players, that's their hero. He certainly was my hero on keyboards growing up. And he certainly is one of the biggest musical influences on my life. Absolutely. Uh, and I studied under him for several years and it was uh, some of the most enjoyable and educational years of my life. And yeah, I, I consider him a, a great mentor. He always introduced me to people as, it's my protege, Danny Bedrosia, you know, and he was like, he was just that that uh, that imparted more to me than, than I could possibly say, but in the same way that my parents did. It's that classical side. It's what made me learn. It's really what made me learn it. And uh, yeah, I learned things from him that nobody could have any, ever learned from anyone else, if I can put I guess that's the best way to put it, you know, and, uh, and I'm honored to have been one of the few um, to have studied under him, one of the very few who have truly studied under him. And, and I had the honor of not only studying under him, but being on the road. So it's a different type of study. You're out with him every day, you know, so uh, invaluable, absolutely invaluable. So I'm imagining, did he show you like maybe some little tweaks or tricks that he did at certain parts and certain tracks that you were like, oh, yeah. It's always, oh. It's always O with Bernie, and, and that doesn't just go for me. You, couldn't, you wouldn't even have to be a keyboard player. You could be a guitar player or something, and you'd find out it was that. And you'd be like, oh, it could be a melody that everything. Oh, Bernie is just – Bernie's like Bach. It's all variations. There's several ways you could do it. When I was talking about the canon, if we start with Bernie alone, there's the way it was on the original. And then there's Bernie's five or six variations, measure to measure, that you could do it. Then there's the way all the subsequent other players played it, and then the way you may end up playing it in the end, you or you. So a whole school of thought dedicated to this. Do you feel he's gotten his due, or is you know he's still kind of underrated? I don't think any of them have gotten their due. I don't think – I think that – um, from an historical standpoint, you know, uh, it, it's just starting to be revealed. From an academic standpoint, you're just starting to see the academicization 
thankfully, of what the P-Funk represents and is finally being taught in universe, at university level. Um, but no, I don't think Bernie or any of them, for that matter, and, and I'm including living members, have gotten uh, the due, or George, for that matter. Uh, and yeah, you can say it from a financial standpoint, but I, I really mean it from, a, uh, from like an overall, like, you know, not in terms of fame, but in terms of intellectual uh, influence, influence on the intelligentsia, influence on the culture as it stands, artistic influence, intellectual influence, literary influence. There, it's not just musicians that are influenced by P-Funk. There are poetry about the P-Funk mythology that don't have anything to do with the internal organization. I mean, this goes far beyond, you know, what, what people choose to say about it. And it's cool in a way, in terms of its transcendence, it's cool because everybody can find a thing they know about it from a movie or a concert or a book or whatever. But nobody truly understands, or not nobody, but fewer and fewer people or few people in general are fully invested in the understanding of the vastness of this institution. I think that's the, uh, the more important answer. Than, and, and Bernie is a huge part of that, but all of them. And I think that it's always important. I mean, we have to remember the ones we lost, their treasures. We also have to remember the ones that we have right now. And that should be equally, if not greater, treasured for the sake of time, which is the, the only thing that is running against all of us, but it's all running against us in the same way. So I think that that it needs to be fully revealed on the academic and overall level, the, the layers of genius writers and musicians and singers and conceptualists that dot the history of this. Um, that, that needs to be fully, made more fully uh, aware, fully, fully understood, I think. Do you think the uh, music world will ever see another thing of this magnitude, you know, that's just got so many different fingers to it and aspects? The fact that I say yes and no at the same time in my head is the most P-Funk answer I can give you. <laughs> yes and no at the same time. Yes, no. But uh, maybe not something exactly like it, of course. And maybe not even something similar to it. Because the industry itself changes and makes the way we listen to music different. I think that um, it all depends on the conversation we have about, I mean, the, all of us have, about the next 100 years of music and the sort of internalization of the next digital wave, post-singularity, where everybody's sort of living in much more isolated and controlled environments, where every apartment building is its own internet. It has its own. They said there was a study done by these Germans saying that in, uh, in, in 80 years, everybody's just going to have their own music that only they listen to. 
And what an interesting concept that is. I mean, for, for good or bad or worse, I think it's either bad or worse. I could be wrong. So you brought you brought up uh, some of the uh, current guys that are you know just amazing too, and those would be guys like you know Mudbone Cooper and and uh, Blackbird, um, you know some of the Horn guys that are still out there with the band uh, playing right now, uh, and other guys that I'm not sure if they're coming in or not, but you're Mike Hamptons and um, tremendous tremendous musicians and uh, contributors to the whole P Funk uh, Empire legacy. Do you think, Danny, um, when you know Dr. Funkenstein finally hangs up his stethoscope, uh, what's going to happen to the whole P? Uh, it's the most asked question ever. I have no answer for it um, because uh, smarter people than me have come up with people to take the reins and history has changed in a way where that no longer made sense. So well-laid plans can often be by, again, time. And we just don't know. I think that George is doing so great. I don't see a time anytime soon where that'll necessarily be a necessity. Which is funny because this is a conversation I was hearing 15 years ago when I joined the band. But it is, while it still has some validity in terms of the mass media talking about it, if you knew George, it doesn't really have as much validity because of his health and his character and his energy and his love for the craft and love for the game and love for the for the art that he creates. I think the conversation sort of has to start and end there. And because a lot of people choose to use this as a dialogue because he is older, I think that it's, it's misplaced, a misplaced, uh, though often asked question, because I think that um, there is no real person to do what George Clinton does. So, you know, we can talk about Parliament Funkadelic, but even if we do, Parliament Funkadelic are entities of George Clinton. It can easily be argued that Bootsy's Rubber Band and the Brides of Funkenstein and others are also entities of George Clinton. Yes, they're able to stand sort of on their own without him, but I don't know about Parliament Funkadelic. Those are his band, his band. Like, he out there with them in in all eras so i don't know uh you know what i mean like it's it, it's a question left up to somebody smarter and wiser than myself <laughs> because i can't george is not like what what's his you know like say there was a line of people like in line to be like, I'm going to be like, you know, what, okay. And what are you going to do? Like what, like, what is the job description? How is that going to manifest itself? In I'd, another like that, I'd like to see that casting call. Yeah. No, no, you know what I mean? How would that, how would that, what he does manifest itself in another human being? I don't think it can. And, and that's no disrespect to anyone. But nobody else is trying to say it either. So I think that 
you know, I think that the future will tell on that, on that. It's the only thing I can say because so many people have asked me that question. And it's a good question. It's not a bad question. Um, but I just don't think it's answerable. Well, I have to say, you never sell George short in any kind of way because I remember when exactly. I but when I met with him back all the way back in 1989 and had Cinderella Theory out, and I met with him at Warner Brothers, and he actually came over for dinner. It was an unforgettable experience. But I asked him about doing an, an autobiography, you know, back then because it seemed like he had already gotten to that point, and he said, yeah. "I'm nowhere near doing that kind of thing yet." Yeah, and he still went so much further and finally put the book out a couple of years ago. But still, yeah. man, he's just unbelievable that way. And he has so many more stories to tell. That's the funny thing. Is he's always talking about the second book, too. So it's just like he's got, he's got even more. <laughs> he's got even more to tell. He's got, he's got a lot, lot more way to go. God love him. God love him. Yep. Yep. Um, give me one or two of your most unforgettable experiences on the road with P-Funk. Mm. Um, well, playing Roskilde in Denmark, it's maybe my second or third year in the band, it's one of the largest audiences I'd ever seen in my life. And it was definitely a thrilling experience, beyond thrilling, you know. Um, really feel like you, you were a part of something that was this, you know, that big. It was an, an, amazing, an amazing feeling, make you want to really do well, you know. That's how I feel about it. Um, uh, that's one for sure. Uh, what's another one? I, I mean, I can think of a lot of funny things, fun things, goofy things, you know, that have no standing within the overall. Um, but another place that was amazing was, uh, Les Reunions. And we went to, in the middle of the Indian Ocean, and we played a festival there. And it was a really magical experience, because you really feel like you're sort of on the edge of the world. It's just so far away from everything. You know, and uh, the the feeling there, and the and the between the visuals and the music and everything, that was a really nice, nice experience. But there's countless, there's countless, you know, countless things uh, that I can think of. Um, you know, what, what, who who are the practical jokers in the group? Did did you ever were pranks ever part of the whole whole scene? Uh, I mean, I guess we all sort of have our own versions of of pranks. I'll tell you, there's definitely like a lot of jokes. We have a lot of inside jokes. You know what I mean? Like that is the P-Funk continues. That's something that's been a part of P-Funk all the way back to the beginning is there's a lot of comedy. I mean, there's some funny people in this band. I mean, ooh. And we like to, you know, we got our jokes and our songs that we sing and the things that, you know, that a lot of people looking at it is like, oh, these people are goofballs, you know what I mean? But it's, you know, it's part of what keeps us together, you know what I mean, too, is the, is the laughter, you know. Um, it's a good time hanging out with us. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we're a silly bunch. <laughs> was there ever uh, anyone particular that maybe came on stage and joined you guys that was particularly memorable? Sly Stone several times, the best of which was in Chicago when he came out with his guitar, and we did. I think we did higher. I think we did higher, and thank you for letting me be myself again. That was a thrilling moment, being such a 
fan myself of Sly is like, oh, amazing. That was awesome. Um, that's probably the biggest one for me, but there's, there's, there's many that I'm just not thinking of that I'd probably go back and be like, oh, yeah, him or her. Oh, yeah. That. Uh, but so more, to, more, than I can, more than I can name, actually, to be honest. But there's a, there's a, lot of, a lot of greats that have uh, graced the stage with us over the years, you know, and it's just a thrilling thing to be a part of, for sure. But the sly stands out of my mind. And it's several times, which is even more thrilling. But. I'm guessing there are probably some people that maybe were invited and just begged off because they, didn't, you know, maybe they're a little too intimidated. Well, I mean, I've seen a lot of people come up there and do their thing, though. A lot of people, you know, um, and I think it's cool. You know, I, I, I like that aspect of it. Um, but it's, it's, it's a thrill for sure. Sheila E. That's another one. I like when Sheila E. comes and plays with us, you know, and uh, uh, Nona Hendricks is another one that's nice to see come and join us. Um, there have been a couple fun times where Erica Badu would come up and sing with us, or Erica and Queen Latifah one time. Um, of course, this time, the times we've done with Snoop Dogg were great, and uh, oh yeah, well, so so many people, more than I can, more than I can truly indulge in. Danny, talk uh, funk in general. I mean, it's still seems like it's sort of an underground phenomenon. I mean, P-Funk itself is kind of that way, but <clears throat> even the music, I mean, it's just never really gone totally mainstream. Why do you think that is, and, and what does funk kind of just mean to you? Well, I think mainstream can be met with a certain amount, of, a grain of salt, because I think that a lot of times we wrote funk in with say rock or r&b and while it's fair to put them both in there in terms of their chronological sort of value and in, in terms of this later 20th century period um i think it should more more oftentimes be put together with jazz and blues and even country and folk music because although it operated cooperated with rock and r&b in that part of the later 20th century, it was an older form, possibly can be called purer, if you will, um, than rock and rock and roll was already an amalgamation. Uh, uh, rhythm and blues was already an amalgamation. Uh, funk in its original kind of root, when you're playing what George would call that, that uh, what did he say that? That real basic funk, as he call it. And it's stuff like Good As I Can Feel by Funkadelic, stuff that that type of feel. Um, or like music for my mother, you know, stuff like that. Uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I think that it's older and rawer and can be more thrown in with jazz, blues, folk, and country as an older form. And, uh, you know, where I guess jazz had a, a couple periods where you could say it was popular music. Even jazz itself is considered something of outside the mainstream or more uh, intelligent than the mainstream, if you will, too intelligent for the mainstream. And then blues on the other side, too rootsy, too underground. I mean, blues, I mean, there was also, I guess, a period where you could say blues was doing popular records, but not necessarily now. And, and it can even be argued that then it wasn't as big as, say, some of the other genres of its time. 
Um, funk is more like that. Funk had a, peri a couple periods, too, of popular success. And you can also rate those successes within the value of what they were considered as funk, like so your cold sweats, if you will, and everything after that. And uh, the hits of the 70s. And then the sampling and the hits of the samples. So there's a few different layers of it. And all of those can be considered within the realm of major, major pop superstardom, really. And then, of course, its legacy is a legacy of superstardom. But what maintained the undergroundness is the fact that I think it's lost on a lot of people. That funk is really an older form than we choose to acknowledge. And, and, and that the very fact that foreign markets pick up on it harder and heavier maybe than we do today in America should be a testament of that fact. That it's this older American form that much of the American mainstream has maybe taken for granted. A theory, but I think is true. Yeah. I tell you, though, I, I see the parallels, though, with the jazz and the blues and so forth. But, you know, it would be nice, though, if funk was recognized, you know, maybe with its own Grammy category and that kind of, you know, recognition that blues and jazz and some of the other ones you mentioned have gotten. <laughs> I think that can raise to the latter 20th, so the very end of the 20th century, uh, business practices of the soon-to-be-dead record labels at the time yeah. who were choosing to categorize. They put the funk in with the R&B and then the different kind of funk they put in with the rock and then, another, you know, and then a different kind of funk they put in with the jazz. And so it had been assimilated into three or four different categories. Um, that was very much a marketing thing, you know, I think. Uh, but... I think it also can be looked at as a good thing. I think it can be looked at as a positive um, because it's allowed funk to flourish and be progressive and continue to be an artistic form of expression instead of just another song. I think that that's a benefit because it's still contributing very much to the overall aesthetic of the modern mainstream pop megalo everything that is popular music. Definitely owes a huge debt of gratitude to funk and the P-Funk sound as well. But that underground, the maintenance of the underground stature or status has also allowed it to flourish as an artistic form and continue its, its own as an artistic form. Maybe a better interpretation of that continuation of artistic form than you could even say of, say, hip-hop. And something has to be said of that with the mainstream versus the underground and how it went as you know what i mean so that's that's really what that is and i think it's just very rarely talked about and it has to do with marketing why don't they talk about it well because of marketing and i think if a lot of young kids knew that they'd look back and be like well, that's stupid well, you know. but that's also why so many new fans of funk are young you know they don't know about the insane business practices of the latter part of the 20th century, really most of the 20th century in terms of music. They're informed by a new version of just what they like and what they're hearing on their on their phone or whatever, you know, and, and it's just like, it's a different way to listen to music and it's probably good and bad depending on who you ask, you know, <laughs> or both, no matter what. I think it's more good than bad in general. Um, and I think the, the most, 
the best part of that good has to do with the people who have that technology, the young people. I think they, they're not being stained by the 20th century's uh, mistakes. That's a good thing, you know. That is a good thing. Fresh years, man. Fresh years. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Danny, let's talk a little bit about your own projects. You have uh, uh, Boz Funk Music. It's uh, B-O-Z-F-O-N-K-M, as in Kalmu, uh, S-I-C-K. And uh, I have some of those discs here. I have, um, you know, these two. Uh, Sleazy's of the Grease. What's the second one that you're holding? I saw uh, Sleazy's of the Grease. What's the one in your left hand? Uh, this is the uh, just and Secret Army. And oh, secret! I just can't see the disc one. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Yep. And then, For two uh, Secret Army albums. Also got this one. Yep. Asphalt Panda. And then uh, this one, which I reviewed on uh, FunkinSiff.net. Great, great set. My oldest friend. Yeah, my newest one. You know, it really surprised me about that. I, I really had no idea that you could sing like you sing. Um, you've really got a, oh, you've got a, you've got a nice voice, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. I, uh, yeah, I grew up singing, sang my whole life. I, my whole family sings. So it's just it's in, in the blood or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, that was my newest one. My oldest friend. I'm really proud of that. I, uh, did most of the playing and singing on all the singing on that and, and most of the playing and, uh, and really enjoyed it. Uh, a lot. I really, I really stand behind that album. I really like it. I'm gonna get more of those albums in your hands though, because you're missing a bunch. So I'm gonna get you some more. Um, well, I know you've done it, ton. but uh, if you go to the website, you'll see all, all this yeah. stuff you've done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and the the next Secret Army album is coming out in September. It's called Eight Finity. Uh, we we just basically finished it up, and it's gonna be really incredible. It's got uh, all the usual suspects: myself and Lige Curry, Benzel. Uh, but it's also going to have George Clinton's going to be on there and, and uh, Mike Hampton, a bunch of other people are going to be on there. It's going to be, it's a really great clip is on there. Clip Payne. It's a really uh, great musical offering and it kind of harkens back to some of the older secret army albums. Um, but it's a, it's a great time. I think you'll really enjoy it. And I'm also a uh, part of this new project that's coming out soon called Detroit rising. And it's uh, uh, like a funk, uh, a really cool marriage of funk with some sort of pop marketing, if you will, but it's straight funk. And, uh, and it has myself, Lige Curry, uh, Benzel, Greg Thomas, Blackbird McKnight, uh, Steve Boyd, Gabe Gonzalez, uh, all of us from, from a huge amount of us from people, Tanisha Nelson. Um, and it also has a uh, Kern on there from uh, Lady Gaga and, uh, and Fiddler, of course, also from P-Funk. And Fiddler's on there. And a whole bunch of people. And it's going to be a, a really, really cool release coming out, uh, I believe, in September. And uh, it's a project that we got together on uh, with a gentleman, David Schwartz, from New York, who put, put us all together on this project. And it's super fun. I mean, if you like funk, this is a, it's a, it's a great, great, great offering. I think you'll really dig it. How do you find so. the time, Danny? Uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> then I also, because I, I have Secret Army, the band, we try to play as much as possible. And then I have my local band, Something Fierce in Tallahassee. And then I have an Armenian ensemble that I, that I do Armenian folk music with. I'm working on a comic book. Four or five more releases, other than the ones I just mentioned to you, 
in the can for Boss Funk ready to, to come out um, on myself and other artists. And I do sessions, production for multiple other people, booking, publishing. My company handles a lot of different things. Um, I am a workaholic. I'm always working. And uh, it's, it's, it's my life. It's what I love. It's what I love to do. And a baby too, right? That's right. And she is already playing the piano with me. So it's uh, continuing on the tradition. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Very cool. Um, is there anyone else out there, you know, we talked a little bit about fresh ears, uh, but what about on the uh, playing side? Is there anyone out there today that you're kind of like really saying, wow, this, this guy is promising? In terms of music? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, I'm going to tout one of my people and, and someone who plays the same instrument as me. <laughs> I like this, uh, there's a piano player named Tigran Hamasian. He's an Armenian piano player. And uh, he does like a lot of stuff kind of like new Herbie almost. And uh, really brilliant, really, really uh, brilliant pianist. And I met him uh, when we played at the, uh, I think it was the Jazz Avien in, in France. And uh, we were, I was blessed to have both of us, two young Armenian piano players at the same festival repping ourselves is pretty cool. Um, but he's a really great, great jazz piano player, really fantastic composer. I really dig him. Um, in terms of, but that's, I mean, that's jazz, you know what I mean? And world music. I listen to a lot of world music these days, a lot of world music. Um, I am really into obviously Armenian folk music and I like checking out the new pop groups that are coming out of Armenia and how they're mixing their ancient melodies and rhythms with the new sounds of technology. I like a lot of that stuff that I've been hearing. There's a group coming out of Armenia called Gata Band that I'm really into and they play this really funky kind of, it's like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what, it's like hip hop, funk, R&B sensibilities, but with also the sensibilities of Armenian folk traditions and really some really ancient stuff. All right, so with that, it's time to wrap up another edition of Truth and Rhythm. I want to, again, thank so much P-Funk keyboard extraordinaire Danny Bedrosian for being our guest, sharing all of his great memories, his experiences with P-Funk, his uh, piano classically trained background. What a great show. Despite some technical challenges, we got through it. Thank you, Danny. Hope everyone has enjoyed that. I want to also thank you, the fans, for tuning in, whether it's on audio or video. And I want to remind you that you're the ones who can decide who are on, who's on the show. You know, just drop me an email at scottg at funkinstuff.net. And if there's a particular artist you want to see or a music industry figure, let me know. If you're that industry figure yourself, drop me a line and let's make it happen. All right? So until next time, as always. This is Scott Dr. Jake Goldfine saying, keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one. <laughs>